Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Thunderbro Thundercast. I'm your host, Dave Lipson, along with Jason Ackerman. Let's get it on. Oh. Here we are. All right, Dave. Welcome back, everybody, to the Thunderbro Thundercast. Thundercast. Thunderclasp. The Thunderclasp. Nipple clasp. <laughs> We're going to take a slightly different route. In the past, you've interviewed some of the best in the world in functional bodybuilding, some of the most educated as far as doctors and great people in the industry. But today, your fans want to hear from you. <laughs> okay. So we've got a lot of questions for you, and we're going to get this up. It'll probably be after your show, but you have your big competition coming this weekend. Yes. How are you feeling going into this? Uh, so, well, first, like, I want to stop you right there when you say fans, because uh, I don't, I have a hard time accepting uh, calling these people fans. I, I think they're just like me. I think they're people that are information seekers, that are looking to bring good things, inspiration, information into their lives. And I do my best along with our Thunderbird team to give them that information. But uh, in no way are we like fitness celebrities. We're a bunch of bros who like to smash iron in the garage and we're no different than the people listening to this podcast. And uh, we're honored to, to have them. Um, Camille has fans, right? See people fan out on her. People with me are like, hey, Dave, let's go do some bicep curls. It's a much different approach. Um, I agree, but I've seen people take a picture with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, they want to take a picture of me and be like, look, I'm bigger than Dave. I out-angled Dave. <laughs> um, yeah, we are getting ready for the show. It's been uh, a long journey. My first show is exactly um, about a year ago. And that was a really exciting one because it was my first exposure to the actual sport of bodybuilding. And uh, one of the things that I've learned as a coach and as an athlete is that there's a huge difference between knowledge and information. Uh, information is reading something in a book, hearing in a podcast, um, you know, watch it, watching a video. There's tons of information out there and there's tons of people um, that regurgitate a lot of information, but knowledge is having done it. And looking back, I can see now that I had a lot of information, but I did not have a lot of knowledge. Just being able to participate in this sport uh, and be in it now for my second year, um, I've learned so much. And it's like that old saying, you don't know until you know. Um, and the scope of, of really, like if we're going to say, hey, we're a hybrid of CrossFit and bodybuilding, obviously we know CrossFit because we've lived it as coaches and as athletes. We've competed a lot of us. We've watched a tons of people and coached them in seminars. We have that knowledge. The bodybuilding side is relatively new to us. So the idea with that first show was getting the knowledge, which completely lived up to my expectation of it. I have learned so much. My perspectives on things are so different now and I feel so blessed to have the coaches and the people and the IFBB pros and, and uh, you know people in the industry around me that have helped me honed in what I thought I knew to actually become something that contains good oomph behind it, um, good content, some, some real stuff. So first show was a year ago. After that first one coming off of back surgery, I made a plan with my coach and I said, hey, I, I kind of like this, but obviously for me to get to that next level, we've got to work on stuff. So let's take a whole year 
and let's rebuild the chassis. Um, let's, let's fix some of the lagging body parts. Let's work on the symmetry. Um, there were some things that I had naturally from CrossFit and training that were advantages to me, like my work capacity for one, the ability to work in the gym, um, some specific type of musculature, like having a, a strong backside, a, um, a decent upper body. But then there were some obvious lacking areas for me, like uh, quads, like leanness, um, like actually having a strong V taper of the back. Um, so we spent a year working on that and now we're back here at the same show a year later and I feel very ready. Um, the expectation going into it was that it was going to be really hard to cut from 250 pounds to 212 pounds in that eight week period, but that's what's required to be able to present more muscle on stage and be able to take your level of leanness and definition to that next level. You know, if you, if you start with not as much muscle, every time you're cutting, you're not only losing fat, you're losing muscle with it. So if you go into a prep bigger, then you have the opportunity to present a lot leaner and still have the muscle fillness and the symmetry. And that's what was lacking last year. It wasn't hard to go from 225 to 212 last year. Going from 250 to 212 this year has been a real struggle. So I'm excited about the show. Um, also, we were talking earlier, you're excited about the show, I think, primarily because of what's to come after the show, yes. which is the food. So what are you most looking forward to post-show? You're done. You get the gold medal wrapped around your neck. Then what? I can't describe to you what it's like to, to diet and live like this for even an eight-week period. Um, the amount of calories I eat, uh, am eating reduced in half. So they went from 5,000 when accumulating muscle mass to 2,500. And along with that, the training frequency doubled. So it went from one 90-minute session a day to two or maybe even three 90-minute sessions a day. Most people hear 2,500 calories and they yeah. think that's more than I eat uh, well, currently. Well, keep in mind, my body weight was 250 pounds. Uh, you know, imagine like you're used to eating 2,500 calories. What if I say, hey, Jason, now eat half as much and work twice as much. And your body, it's a very uncomfortable process, but it does adapt to it. Um, the first six weeks of prep were painstaking. I would cry every night. I think I did cry every night. I come home so depleted that I was unable to speak. I curl up in the fetal position and Camille would just try to like rub my cheek or bring me a rice cake or something. Um, and then eventually, like all things that, you know, adaptation syndrome kicks in and you accustom to the pain, but something happens after the show when you're allowed to eat. Your cells are so deprived, they're so depleted that they almost act like a dry sponge. And now you take that dry sponge and you put it under water and it expands. And uh, one of the craziest things that I experienced last year was after the show, going and eating. And normally when you eat, if you go and gorge yourself, eventually there's some kind of signal that takes place between your belly and your brain that says, yeah. hey, asshole, stop eating. That signal goes away when you've depleted for that long. And I kept eating uncontrollably for about a week. On Friday of the show, I was 211 pounds. And on Saturday night, I was 232 pounds. That's 20, a, 22 pounds of yeah. weight. Now, there's weight. obviously water in there, right? right? And I didn't really get much above 232, regardless of how much I ate. Um, but I think that the main things you're limiting in prep are carbohydrates and, and fats. 
So those are the, usually the things that you crave. My favorite uh, thing that I was thinking about then and even now is the Cheesecake Factory. Because if you want carbohydrates and fat, you can get a 1,700 calorie cheesecake at the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, yeah. And that's one you, fucking slice. So what, what slice are you going to have first? So I'm going to start with General Sal's orange chicken. Like a, like a nice Jewish yeah, boy. Exactly. You're going to get some Chinese Something, food. a little deep fried, the rice. I think that's going to be really good. Then I'm going to eat a hamburger after that. Um, and then I'm going to start with the cheesecake. And I usually have a couple slices of cheesecake. And the caveat here, Jason knows that most people out there don't know, is that there is a chance that if the show goes well, I end up in Miami in two weeks at the Nationals. So I really can't go nuts. Having one cheat night won't won't ruin anything, but having a week will make it really hard to get back to 212 in time for Miami. So I'm going to try to keep it under control. And this is the first time that uh, my coach, Alan Watkins, has talked to me about reverse dieting too, because this diet has been extreme, and the strong rebound effect can really throw your thyroid, your metabolism, it can really throw it out of whack that can linger for months and months. So he introduced a concept that some of you guys might have heard of called reverse dieting, which is as you slowly deplete calories more and more, instead of just going from zero to as much as you can eat, bringing it back up slowly, maybe going from 2,500 to 3,000 to 3,500 to 4,000 to 5,000 over a course of weeks. And you'd actually stay lean it, while doing that. Yes. And this is very common theory just in terms of, of balance. Things that happen quickly are usually not sustainable or well-maintained, meaning I lost this, what is it, 250 to 212? 38 pounds. 38 pounds. I lost the 38 pounds in two weeks, okay? I'm not going to be able to stay at this level of leanness indefinitely. My body's going to want to rebound and rebound very, very hard because of the extremity of that. Uh, same thing with weight gain, right? When you gain a lot of weight fast, usually it's sloppy weight. Um, so the idea, whether cutting or gaining, is to try to be nice and steady, maybe a pound a week. For this cut, it was obviously more than a pound a week. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, like that's always going to be a better choice for people as opposed to living in the extremes. In your opinion, what are the top three cheesecakes at the Cheesecake Factory? All right, so my favorite is the red velvet cheesecake. Oh, that's mine too. It's that a, is a go-to. I don't know what it is. Everyone it's goes. It's got cake everyone and goes for the chocolate. I like chocolate. It's cool, but the red velvet is uh, that was our wedding cake, so it always reminds me of our wedding, which is probably the happiest moment of my life so far. Um, and uh, I just love I love red velvet. And I feel like that cheesecake is actually like a stick of butter with sugar on it and some cake in between. That, uh, I think the red velvet has over 90 grams of fat. That's 90 grams. So 90 grams of fat currently is 10 grams of fat above what I'm allowed to eat a day. Right. And one, and one easy to throw down piece of cheesecake. And I'll probably eat three pieces of cheesecake. Um, so what are the other two going to be? So I'll do one red velvet. I'll do, they usually have some kind of chocolate or double chocolate one. I know they have this also, this Reese's Pieces one that I That's really like. Uh, there's a birthday cake one that I really like. What I'll tell people to do at the table is I'll say, everyone get a different one and let's just keep passing it around until it's all gone. And last year, everyone was so nice, they just passed everything to me. So I ended up eating like five slices of cheesecake. Then after that, after the fucking cheesecake, like I told you, that, that hunger signal it was not firing, 
So I went General Sow's chicken, hamburger, three slices of cheesecake, and on my way home, I'm like, fuck, I need some donut bites. So I picked up these little donut bites, and I started eating those, and then I got home, and I had this, like, uh, have you seen this nut butter called Nuts and More? It's like oh, a yeah, yeah. like chocolate nut butter. I took it, and I had Oreos, and I was dipping the Oreos into the nut butter and then putting a donut on top. It was like 3 in the morning. I was still eating, and then that just kind of continued. Nothing really bad happened to me last time. In fact, I think that in about five days, I thought I looked a lot better than I did on stage because everything was so full yet so tight because you don't just gain body fat in five days. You're still, even if you gain 1%, it still looks really fucking lean except you're popping out of your skin like you're about to explode. Um, so I have some pictures post-show at 235 pounds that I'm like, man, I, I wish I could have looked like this on stage. And the hard thing about classic physique is that you have to make a weight for it. So the idea with classic is to keep athletes in a very athletic looking body type. I call it the most uh, applicable bodybuilding class for CrossFitters because you can't be enormous in classic physique. And even in physique, you can have a huge upper body, but most of those guys have no legs because they're not graded on their legs. In bodybuilding, people get so big that it's hard to be good outside the scope of hypertrophy or bodybuilding. So. The classic physique athlete can do CrossFit, they can run a mile, uh, they can enter a local powerlifting competition. They, they look like a well-muscled male, and it's actually based on the godfather of bodybuilding, you know, the most famous bodybuilder of all time, Arnold Schwarzenegger. At six foot two, he was 242 pounds. So they said, okay, if you're six foot two, you can't be over 240. Right? Yeah, if, you're, if you're six feet tall, you can't be over 220. If you're five foot 11, you can't be over 212. I happen to be in like a really tough spot where I'm like 5'11 and three quarters. So the NPC is very strict, rightfully so, on how they measure people just for the sake of standards. So I can't make that 220 classic, classic physique, which means I have to cut to 212. I'll probably be one of the most well-muscled 212 people out there, um, but it would be much more comfortable for me to be a 220 than a 212. Uh, and I probably will be on stage because I get to refeed after the weigh-in. Like I said, those cells are so hungry to fill up with glycogen. I know the, the sarcoplasm inside muscles is full of these things called glycosomes, which are derived from carbohydrates. So when you starve yourself with carbohydrates, you reduce the volume of that uh, sarcoplasm, the fluid inside the muscles. So as soon as you start guzzling carbs, it will pull the water from your skin or the extracellular water, the water that's not in cells, into the cells to present a very full look. And that's part of the science of preparing for a show. It's like, you know, people think on a show, you would be low carbohydrate to stay lean. It's actually the opposite. You're on very little water and you are pushing as many carbohydrates as you can without distending your gut um, and trying to fill those cells up with fluid. It's really a, a science there. Definitely. And, you know, it's, it's bro science. It's bro but science. when you ask somebody like, uh, you know, Dr. Schoenfeld, why do bodybuilders eat carbohydrates when they're trying to look lean, he can explain to you that there's actually a, a metabolic process taking place that's filling the, the sarcoplasm up with glycosomes so that you can present a fuller muscle. Well, and everybody will get to learn that. In the Thunderbro University. Yeah, exactly. Coming out in 2020. Bro science meeting male science. I think like these are the fun subjects that are almost like rumblings, you know, little things you might hear in the gym. What we want to do is is take these concepts that are kind of known and break down the science of how and why they work 
so that you can more accurately apply them to yourselves, your athletes. Um, and science has always been a passion of mine. I don't want to just see it work. I want to know how and why it works so that I can do it better than the person next to me. So right now you're going through an extreme cut. You must have one thing every day that you look forward to when it comes to food. Totally. What is it? Uh, so the, the way this cut has worked is um, it started gradual. It went from 5,000 to 3,500 to 3,000. And now at the most critical time, I mean, last week I was 225 pounds. Today I weighed in at 213 and a half because we had to keep pushing. That's reducing the calories and reducing the carbohydrates so that you're in more of a caloric deficit so you can keep pulling the fat, keep metabolizing the fat. Um, so, I'm sorry, I forgot the question for a second. Um, the question was, you know, I've cut for wrestling. Yep. And there's always like, okay, this is like, gets me through the day, this scoop yes. of peanut butter or whatever it is. Gotcha. What's your thing? Okay, so now this is the worst week at all. It doesn't feel the worst, but it is the worst on paper. We're at 2,500 calories and four hours of training a day. And during most of that day, I try to deprive myself of as many carbohydrates as I can because number one, I don't get a lot. And number two, I'm creating more of a carbohydrate deficit so I can try to pull more fat during the day. Then at night, I'll usually get, if I'm lucky and I do it right, I'll have about 85 grams of carbohydrates to play with between 7 p.m. and bed. So what I'll do, because I've already blown out all of my protein and most of my fat, is I'll take the rice cakes Camille is amazing. She is so supportive. She does the diet with me. She does the training with me. She's getting leaner. She's starting to taste it a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw her on stage one day. Um, she has made me these low-fat, uh, high-protein brownie bites that she's actually working on a line of comfort food that is macro friendly. Oh, there's so, some in my fridge too. It, it, I've so, been eating them. So, you know, comfort food are the things you want, like the cheesecake I'm craving, yeah. right? So it's like, you know, okay, the Pop-Tarts, the brownies, the, the quesadillas, the hamburgers. What she does is she's able to flip the macronutrients on those using some, uh, you know, strategic substitutions. So she has these brownie bites that I'll put with the nuts and more butter, which is the high protein nut butter. It's also a lower fat nut butter. I'll throw one of those brownies in between another rice cake, so it's like a rice cake sandwich with chocolate in between. And first, I'll plan this so strategically because I come home at seven, the first thing I'll do is I'll grab an edible. And I'll be like, all right, I gotta get to sleep, I wanna be in bed and asleep by nine, so I'm gonna take this edible now because it's gonna kick in in an hour. But when it 10 kicks, milligrams. Exactly, 10 milligrams of THG, 20 milligrams of CBD, and then an additional 50 milligrams of our Thunder Bros sublingual CBD. We gotta get Juana on the uh, sponsor oh, bandwagon here. You know, like, make no mistake, marijuana, I would not be able to get through this without marijuana. It's such a painful process. Does that, that make you hungrier? Uh, yes. So, I'll take it at seven, okay? Right. It takes an hour to kick in. By eight o'clock, I'm ravenous. And I'm not ravenous for salad. I right. want my fucking rice munchies. cake. You got the munchies. My yeah. rice cake, my two rice cakes with nut, chocolate and nut butter and a brownie in between. And I'll eat that, and my eyes will roll into the back of my fucking head, Jason. Like, it's pure ecstasy. Like, I'm sitting there, I, I, it was the last time I was pinching my nipple while I was doing it. Just, like, get the extra. And that's, you gotta pull a Costanza. That's and enough. And you'll be able to have sex while you have that. Yes, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like the ultimate, right? Just pleasure on top of pleasure. Um, Throw in a little sports center. While that's happening and you got the trifecta. I'll eat that. That usually gets me to my daily carbohydrate mark. 
it fills me up so I feel satisfied and then I'm right to sleep. Um, and something interesting about that, I was talking with uh, Wadi today, my coach, is that like I kind of save my car, I, I spend most of the day in a carbohydrate deficit and then I try to load at night. When I wake up in the morning, having eaten those carbohydrates at night, I'm always waking up drier, meaning just a little tighter in the body, um, a, a lot tighter and with fuller muscles because that's the process we were talking about. Like the cells are so starving that pushing the carbohydrates in, they get to fill back up and that gives me enough energy to get through the next morning of training. And it's usually this time of day that I stand up and I feel like I can't walk. Or I, I, you know, it's, it's very hard to operate uh, with zero fuel and have the activity be as high as it is. Um, but that's the challenge of bodybuilding. It's such a cool sport, uh, such a mentally challenging sport, especially in the preparation phase, to have to suffer emotionally and physically and even spiritually to get your body to an unnatural state, to a state that it doesn't want to be in on its own. To be able to be at 5% or less body fat is not something your body wants to do and you have to force it to do it by living in an extreme for a short period of time. Well, you're almost implementing some carb cycling type of, and you know, what's the term, where we throw the car, all the carbs at night that everybody was on it, the bandwagon. There is some back-end back loading. Back loading. Obviously, people will do that, they'll fast and they'll eat a pizza. You're doing it in a, you're weighed out, yes. you know exactly what you want to eat. And, and that's different than, we do refeed days. But we're in a state right now where I have to make the weight, so I don't get a refeed day. So you're treating this differently. If you were just simply trying to look your best on stage, would you be treating it differently than having to weigh 212 on stage? It, yes, it would be slightly different, but not that much. The only difference is that I would probably start loading carbohydrates one or two days before. It, at where I'm at right now, like I said, like I'm right at that 213 and a half mark. I have to get to 212 first before I can consider loading. Otherwise, I won't have a shot at making the weight. Even with I've got diuretics to be able to pull water to be able to make the weight. Even with that, as soon as you start loading carbs, you will fill up like the dry sponge that you are. So we, we just have to wait until we get to the 212 mark. And then we're going to cut water. We're going to push carbs. And God willing, I can weigh that much for a second and then eat food again. <laughs> so will you eat, once you make that weight you know, behind the scenes, you, you, you hit 212, what will you eat from that moment before stepping on stage? People would be very surprised what bodybuilders eat before and during shows. Chocolate bars? It, it is uh, competition nutrition. It's not what you eat to maintain a baseline. So as soon as I make weight, I go and I get a burger and french fries to try to push carbs and fat back in to get full. I'll eat that, then I'll have more rice and some nut butter. Uh, I'll get up at five in the, or four in the morning and go eat pancakes and sausage and eggs. Um, oh, what, and what time do you weigh in? So weigh-in happens the day before. Oh, so you have a day to... Yeah, barely, barely. I mean, I'm going to try to weigh in as early as I can so I can start to refeed as early as I can. But weigh in will probably be about 4 p.m. on Friday. And then as soon as I weigh in, I'm going to have the burger with me so I can start to refeed because I want to be full. 
Where's this um, burger coming from? It'll probably just be from the hotel, uh, you know, room service or whatever. They yeah, do, like a I, I had one last year. It's nice. It's not too greasy, which is great. It's a nice dry. Even the fries are pretty dry, but it's good carbs, lots of salt. Um, with with so, all you've been doing, though, does that give you just immediate diarrhea? No. 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 The, the one thing that can trigger me is having, like, greasy stuff. Um, but as long as it's not like, like you're saying, like a bacon cheeseburger, the idea with the burger is to get some, some protein, right? It's ground beef, so it's not going to be super fatty. Um, I'm not going to have cheese on it. I'm not going to have bacon on it. I want to get the bun. I want to eat all the fries, and then I want to keep pushing carbohydrates through the rest of the night. Protein is not an issue during competition. Your muscles don't fill up by eating protein. That's going to slow your digestion down. It's going to fill your gut up. It's going to be harder to process. Simple carbohydrates, rice cakes, white rice, uh, burger buns, you know, French fries, granted that they're not too greasy. That's what you'll be kind of pounding. Even the next day, you get up and eat pancakes, a little bit of sausage. Um, and at that point, you're not worried about being catabolic. Think, you're getting on stage. Yeah, I time. even think Wadi had donuts on that list too. He's either donut or a muffin, but it's got to be cheap, readily available fuel. That donut can go or a muffin seems yeah. like a silly uh, alternative. My, my fear is that I taste, I taste a donut, right? And, and you want to just keep going. Yeah. And the competition's not over yet. So it's the hardest thing. It's like when you pee and you got to stop in the middle of your pee. It's hard to pinch it off yes. once you start going. So I want to be responsible about it. I'll probably go for the muffin instead of the donut. But the message here is, is that just like you see marathoners who will drink a Coca-Cola or have a Snickers bar during a marathon race, it's the same thing with bodybuilding. These guys are going to pound simple carbohydrates to fill up their muscle cells so they can present fuller on stage. So let's have one more question. Let's, let's have this as our pre-show, meaning your pre-competition podcast, you've done a lot of answering these questions. What about you You peak, you're peaking on stage. How hard is it mentally then to see the loss of progress over the next, even if it, you know you do Miami, at some point you're going to go from 5% body fat to 10. Yes. How hard is that mentally to, to lose that progress? I think... You have to decide what you want long term. You know, it, it, this is everywhere in your life where you kind of sacrifice, well, what you want right now for what you want long term. One of the hardest things for me was wrapping my head around getting back to 212 after working so hard to get to 250 because I bled for that. You know, all year round, I bled. I had to work so hard. I ate so much food. I had to lift such heavy weights. To get up to that mass and now I'm going to watch it just stripped off my body. But then I remembered, no, the goal here is to be a champion. The goal here is to, to go on stage and, and dominate. So whatever that means is what the, the right thing to do is. Um, so although I didn't want to do that, in my heart, my long-term goal was, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do great. I want to dominate the show. I want to go to the next show and I want to do good in that one. And this is what was required. Um, so for me, it's not really getting uh, puffy again that I'm concerned with. It's losing that muscle mass that came off with the body fat. Now, what's cool here is like at the beginning of my cut, I, was, I didn't really like it. I kind of wanted to stay bigger. But then when I started to see muscle striations, when I started to see vascularity and see my body in ways that I'd never seen it before, you know, seeing things, you're like, what the fuck is that thing? That's never happened before. That almost encouraged me like, hey, this is okay. Keep going, 
you're going to look good um, and, uh, and keep pushing through it. After the show, we'll have to evaluate what the next step is. So it'll either be, hey, you're going to go to Miami, you're going to try to do nationals, and nationals is going to be very hard. I mean, this is a, a Colorado show that I'm doing. Nationals, these guys are huge. They're the best of the best in the country. They're going to be pro- they're going to be pros. And you'd have to make 212 again. You have to make 212 again. Uh, one of the other things that I didn't even mention was that because we started this process at such a high weight at 250, we had contingency plans. And the contingency plans were to enter into different classes. So there's the class physique, which is where you wear board shorts, you're graded on your upper body, there's not that much posing, you go front facing, side facing, back facing, you do little things with your hands, um, but it's, it's a male beauty contest. It's like a, you know, and, and these physique athletes have gotten really big because they're getting graded on their upper body. They're 250 pound guys oh, on yeah, stage. They're jacked. At 3% body fat, they just have no legs. Uh, and they can be taller, right? Because it's hard to be in bodybuilding and be a tall athlete. Classic has always been my goal. Classic to me has been CrossFit. You can have good muscularity, but you're an athletic body type. You have upper and you have lower body strength. You can squat heavy and do classic physique. Um, you know, it it, it it lends itself well to just fitness and a lot of different capacities. Um, you don't want to just be an upper body like an orange with two toothpicks on it. At least I don't. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, even some of those physique guys have good legs who do train their legs. It helps their waist taper seem a little, uh, appear a little thinner if they do have legs. But bodybuilding is a completely different animal. <clears throat> Bodybuilders have to be big. And I, I believe bodybuilding is big to the point where it takes away from other things. Um, so I entered in all three categories, like a typical CrossFitter. Right. Like what category? I'm doing physique, I'm doing classic, and I'm doing bodybuilding. And I like bodybuilding because you get to do some really cool poses. Um, I enjoy the poses. Classic physique is a very beautiful type of posing routine where it's very kind of statuesque. Um, and you're hitting these really artistic types of poses that you may have seen Arnold doing, like the, the archer pose. And, yeah. Um, and they'll and be able to see those in the, the upcoming books. Ex- exa- exactly. Them featuring them in Shredded at Home. Um, and so, you know, I have no idea how I'm going to match up in all those categories, but I would guess that in at least one of them, I should do pretty well. My guess is I'll do good in classic. I think I'll do good in physique. Uh, I think bodybuilding is going to be a stretch for me because I don't have that enormous size. Guys who are five foot eleven in bodybuilding usually look good when they're 250 on stage, which means they're cutting from 270, which in my mind is too big to try to still claim to be pursuing fitness. Um, so yeah, I'm doing all three. And then based on that, we'll see what comes next. If this is the show and the next one is in a year, I'll take some time. We're excited because we'll get to do a bunch of Thunder Bro stuff. Um, and, uh, and we'll probably go through another accumulation phase while we'll gain weight again and maybe reevaluate, maybe see if I just go to bodybuilding next year and try to just get bigger or stay with classic or physique. Um, and if, some, you know, something happens and we do really well at the show and we go to nationals, that'll just postpone everything for two weeks. Sounds good. We wish you the best on stage and we're obviously going to keep the listeners and the friends of Dave, not the fans of Dave, but the friends the of friends. Dave. Friends, they're my friends, I'm my fans. Um, up to date on everything that's going on in your world. So thanks for listening. Thanks, Dave, for chatting to us about your upcoming show and enjoy your cheesecake. Peace.